he began, you know, as their sort of potential rocket at number three. And he was batting seven by the end of the season because they had no faith in him to just to, to score any runs. And he's, he slowly turned into MS Dhoni, pretty much, who couldn't finish. Welcome back to Cricket Central, the podcast where we discuss all the big stories and sledge Virat Kohli. I am Ted Wayne Jarvis and with me, as always, are Pearson and Ethan. Uh, and yes, before we start, apologies to the, I would think, very few um, Virat Kohli fans who are still listening to this podcast. And we got a little bit of feedback after last week uh, ripping into uh, Virat. Uh, um, I thought it was all, all fair, really, or all, all very measured um, analysis of his performances of late but uh yeah a few a few people didn't think quite the same on that but i would say to them that you know we're just we've got the best interests of the the indian team at heart in in these discussions so uh yeah it's uh nothing nothing to be ashamed of with that but anyway uh with that out the way it's um good to have you both back i think pearson perhaps a few of our podcasters might be a bit surprised to, to hear you on um after the uh, the election result on Saturday, they might have thought you might be drowning your sorrows uh, at some pub in, in Canberra somewhere. But um, no, you've you've managed to 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 get here. So uh, yeah, it's good to see. You. Well, well, the defeat means I have no real job to do, so I have more time for cricket now. So there's two ways to look at that one. I could be drowning my sorrows in alcohol, but I'll entertain a Zoom call about cricket instead. Well, very good. And just remind us now, how many um, election campaigns have you been a part of now? Is it four? Um, uh, no, it's three. It's the bigger by-election, which was a crushing defeat, the South Australian state election, which was a crushing defeat, and the Australian federal election, which was a crushing defeat. So I'm currently on a none out of three record. Like the England test slides results of late, it feels like. But hopefully with Brendan McCullum, it'll be on the up and hopefully our political results will be on the up. We've not got much hope, but we will see. Yes, I was, I was about to say, it's good to see you taking advice from Joe Root. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and um, Ethan, good to have you back. What have you been up to uh, doing uni for once? Yeah, it's the end of my three-week break, but there's a, a six-week one coming up soon, so I'm, I'm excited for that. Oh, I, honestly, the IPL is dragging on a bit, so I'm, I'm happy we're at the final stage now. It gets, gets a bit exciting. Yeah, yeah. I think we're somehow making you out to be like the, the slack uni student at the podcast, <laughs> which I think it's probably the opposite. You're probably the most hardworking out of us. But, uh, yes. Uh, too much time on my hands, so I'm looking forward to some test match cricket. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, yes, I, I've just been enjoying Carlton. We're eight and two now. Um, I need, I'm going to get them in there every week while we're still performing well. So. Uh, and you're, what, third on the ladder? Yes, yeah, out, up there. yeah, outright third on the ladder, and uh, yeah, get on board, Pearson. You, uh, it's, it's yeah. uh, premierships coming, uh, I'm sure. You can balance, you can balance out all the losses in your life with some Carlton. <laughs> <laughs> Would yeah. not normally say that about no, that, but no, it's probably not a great idea. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, we'll start off with a serious topic. Uh, I think we've all been, um, in a bit of shock hearing more things come out of Sri Lanka um, in recent weeks. So, Ethan, maybe if you could give us a bit of a rundown on 
where things are at there at the moment? Have, have things improved at all or um, is it still a pretty dire situation? I think it's more of the same, really. Um, the people want a presidential change, which hasn't happened yet. Um, so it, it's the same sort of issues and, and not really a positive outlook in sight. Um, I think Cricket Australia did a report today and they said there's still significant fuel shortages, rolling power cuts, desperate shortage of medicine and supplies and ballooning inflation, which I believe was like over 33%, um, which is yeah pretty significant. On, on a cricket note, it, it seems that there, there was concerns from the players, but the tour will probably still go ahead, um, although they were looking to make modifications from night games to day games just being wary of the power shortages. Um, but, yeah, it does seem the situation is, is pretty dire with, without too much positive outlook. Right. And is there sort of a way out? You said they're looking to, well, they have overthrown the president. Is that right? Um, is there someone who... I, I think it was a, they've, they've changed the prime minister, but right. they, they need to change the president. Okay. Not sure how that, that system works, but that, that's what I've been told. Yeah. I see. Well, yeah, hopefully uh, things start to improve soon. Um, all right, we've got plenty to talk about. Obviously, the IPL finals on at the moment, um, but we'll start off with a few smaller things. Um, maybe, Ethan, seeing you're talking about Sri Lanka, they're in the middle of a, a test series over there at, at the moment against Bangladesh, um, which had a... We probably as exciting as Sri Lanka Bangladesh series are, we probably wouldn't normally spend a huge amount of time discussing them. But um, this one in particular had a, some interesting, an interesting scorecard um, from Bangladesh's side. Yeah, it's, it's been an interesting two test series. Of course, the second test is, is still ongoing, but yeah, Bangladesh's best innings of the second test. Um, two, two of their players managed to pass 15 um, and, and they both scored you know, 141 and 175 not out. And I, I've been told by Pearson it's, it's the, the highest score for a side to have six or more ducks in their, in their lineup. So it really is a once, once you get set, you'll cash in wicket. Uh, it's just a shame only two people managed to pass 15. Oh, I don't think you're giving them enough credit there. I think <laughs> it seems to me like those two players need to get a massive... Uh, um, wage rise uh, for that it seemed to be carrying the team there, that's for sure. Well, I'll, I'll add a stat onto what Ethan's just said. Not only was it the highest score with six or more ducks, it's the first time a player has ever hit a century in an innings that had six ducks from other players. And of course, they weren't just one hit, it's the first two times in history have both come in the same innings. It's a remarkable effort from Mushfika and Leton Das, probably their two best batsmen at the minute. I think Leton's definitely getting quite a big reputation at this stage. And I think that now means that Mushfika has been involved in four times as many 250 plus run partnerships than any other player in Bangladesh test history. So he has a tendency to go big in random instances such as this. I do wonder whether the rain today is force this towards a draw. I hope not, but that's definitely a possibility. But it's another weird scorecard that in a not critically important series, my apologies to Navod for besmirching a series. Nine, nine wickets to pace as well, which is 
unusual for oh, yeah. a game in Bangladesh. Was the tenth a run out? Presumably, yeah. Number yeah, eight. how weird. Number eleven run out for twenty ball duck. What a and, strange inning. <laughs> yeah, everything's strange about this match, really. Um, at the first match, was that did Sri Lanka win that? That, no, that was, was a, a draw, draw wasn't, oh, it? wasn't it? Okay. I'm yeah. pretty sure it was Sri Lanka hit, hit 397 in the first innings, of which Angelo Matthews hit 199, and he was dismissed one short of the double ton as the last wicket in their first innings. Uh, then Bangladesh hit 465 with a slight lead, and Sri Lanka got midway through their third innings before the game finished. First ever Sri Lanka 199 as well, to add to these random niche statistics <laughs> that no one will remember. But they are all rare things happening in this series. Yes, that's for sure. But unfortunately, there are only non-rare things. Yet another draw in the subcontinent, which seems to be yeah. a common thing recently. Dick Weller made, made 61 not out as well. He's, he, he's never hit a ton Typical. and it's oh, continuing. <laughs> Unbelievable. Yeah. Is he is he would you say he's the best test batsman in history to have never hit a ton? Uh, it, he's there. got a, he, he's, Unless, he's broken Warney's record, hasn't he? Oh, he's broken Warm's record. But have there been better batsmen who just didn't get the game? It's like Cam Green's not tunned up yet. You see Dick Weller quality. I know <laughs> you like to go on about his quality all the time. But He's I do got the think potential Dick is probably be. up there. Yeah. I think Cam Green Cameron. will actually hit a ton at some point. You'd uh, Alex Carey. would have. Yeah. Mm, no, not oh, yeah. Alex Carey. I got <laughs> no. more to even I hate Cam Green and I got more time for Cam Green than Alex Carey. <laughs> nah, that ain't gonna happen. Yeah. Maybe South Australian like Ted, but he's not a great test cricketer. <laughs> no, no. Well, you know, potential again. It's a the, in the, the subcontinent. You never know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the answer to roads all... in Pakistan make everyone look like good batsmen. That's right. Yeah, no. It's the answer to to all bad batsmen in Australia. Potential. It's uh, our favourite word. Yeah. Anyway, um, moving on from that interesting result, there was just one other thing I wanted to bring up before we move on to other topics. Um, I don't know if you saw this. Um, I'm going to butcher his name, but Zubair Hamza, a South Australian upcoming batsman. South um, African, sorry, I think. South African. Not <laughs> South Australian. Ted, Ted, I don't think Ted's Zubair imagining Hamza their South Australian lineup. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, but uh, he was recently found guilty of taking performance-enhancing drugs and initially banned for two years. Um, but then I, I read the other day it was reduced to, to only nine months um, when he managed to convince uh, the tribunal that uh, it actually came about because he accidentally took his father's heart pills um, instead of his own medication uh, in the medicine cabinet. Um, but um, I don't know, when I saw this, I find that a bit hard to believe, to be honest, that you know, you've got to be a pretty, you know, sloppy sort of person to to take the wrong medicine, to take heart pills instead of, uh, I don't know, hay fever tablets or whatever he was taking. So I, I'm I'm having a bit of scepticism on that one there by Zubair. But, uh, yeah, another... No, I reckon, and I, I, I think I can get support from the med kid here. I reckon they've all got long names. And if they're all in like that orange bottle with the white strip that has the name on it, I think you could mix it up. I'll give benefit of the doubt to Zubair Hamza in this case. But it is an odd incident. Yeah, well, Nine months is a bloody long yeah. time if it's accidental. 
Yeah. If he's convincing his um, medicine for heart medicine, though, he's lucky that the worst thing that happened was a nine-month suspension. You know, he could have been... <laughs> you, can't, yeah, you can't be mixing up uh, medicine you take. Uh, but uh, anyway, yeah, only nine months of him and should be ready to play Australia. Um, okay, well, on to other topics. I know that the big news um, from the past two weeks uh, is England have now finally announced a new coach of the team um i don't know somewhat i wasn't following it too closely but somewhat surprisingly for me um brendan mccullum was the one they went with uh obviously a series coming up against new zealand over in england as well uh, pearson what's your reaction to the selection of mccullum yeah there's we've come out with a few surprising decisions i don't i didn't really see mccullum in the frame and i certainly didn't see Matthew Mock, the Australian women's coach, taking over the white ball job. So I think both have been quite surprising. Personally, I maintain I'd have gone Gary Kirsten for the test job and probably left McCullum for the white ball job. But I think there is also some element of intrigue about this whole setup. I mean, you think we now have an all New Zealand leadership team with Ben Stokes and... Brendan McCullum. So hopefully the foreign influence can help us out a bit. I think as also the way they <laughs> Yeah, of course. Well, if you can't win with English players, let's poach some other ones. And it's worked for us in the past with Strauss and Peterson. It'll work for us again with some new players. But no, I I, I think it'll be it could be exciting. I think having a side with two naturally aggressive people in control in Stokes and McCullum will actually be quite a good watch. I am concerned that we went on all this positivity thing with Trevor Bayless a few years back. And despite whitewashing Sri Lanka, like we always do, nothing really came out of it. So I, I, I approach it with some degree of doubt. But again, I think it's just going to depend on whether we can find good top order batsmen. I have time for a four to 11. I think the team will solve itself if they can find a top order that don't average 20. If we can find a good top order, I think McCullum will largely be out of the equation. He'll just impose the way he'd like to play the game, which should be good for the viewers. And I think Stokes is good enough to work with him, or at least I'd hope he is. So yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic about the appointment of McCullum. Mm. Yeah, I think it, it makes sense um, to completely flip the script uh, and get someone aggressive in there, um, at least to, to, to put a bit of uh, impetus on, on the players changing that, that sort of philosophy that you've been stuck in for a while. Uh, Ethan, I don't, he hasn't really had a huge amount of experience with coaching. That's probably the only thing. I think he was the Calcutta Knight Riders coach for a couple of years, didn't really do a huge amount there. I think in the CPL he coached also. Do you think this is the right decision? T20 coaching is probably a lot different to international coaching. I think it's, I think it's a new challenge, um, but I think, yeah, there's a bit of uncertainty as to how he'll go. I mean, with franchises, you only get a couple of weeks to work with your players, and it's a lot of man management rather than coaching, I think. Um, but but with, with test cricket, it's, it's a whole mental game. You choose the brand of cricket you want to play. Um, I, I don't think we'll see it. England priding themselves on hitting denturies at the top of the order. Um, but yeah, the, there's some exciting potential there. I mean, there's, there's, there's all, obviously two, two main ways you go about it of 
blocking it out there or, or taking the game to the opposition. And hopefully we get we get some more aggressive cricket out of England. Um, and it'll be interesting to see whether the players can, you know, embrace that or whether that, that's too much pressure and they fold with it. Mm. Yeah, I think probably Pearson is right. They really, you, the coach can do whatever you want, but if you, I think we discussed it last podcast, if you if you don't have the, the squad to back him up, there's not a huge amount he to, can do. And on that note, the squad has been announced um, for the upcoming test series, uh, headlined by Broad and Anderson being back in. Um, but Pearson, are you happy with the squad? Yes and no. I'll give four main words about the squad. Give us Dom Sibley. That's what I think. They're my four words. I think he should be back. I think we've picked okay. I think it's a conservative prediction. I think it makes sense for McCullum to look at what he's got and who's already in and around the side before starting to make some revolutionary changes. And I think that might work out okay for him. I think... As I've said before, when we're not entirely ruined by injuries, as we are with our fast bowlers at the minute, our bowling attack largely picks itself. I am very annoyed that Parkinson still can't get a look in, but at the same time, if he was going to be 12th man, I'd rather him be playing for Lancashire than carrying drinks for England. I think the main thing is, as I've said before, with the whole McCullum, I think will be the top order. I think four, five, six, seven is pretty safely root best of Stokes folks. So it solely will come down to how well the top three perform. The top three are set in stone for the first test because there is no backup in the squad for them. Those three being Lees and Crawley opening with Ollie Pope at three. I think Ollie Pope is definitely the big call from this whole selection. Uh, he was out of the side. He's gone back to Surrey and churned runs out he always does but in a not dissimilar fashion to what we did to him when he debuted in 2018 we're going to bat him in a position he's never batted in first class cricket before he's batted we played him at four against india in 2018 when he'd never batted above six and he's now batting at three when he's never batted above four for sorry that seems problematic to me i have hope if i think being my never-ending faith in him has to continue for the sake of the podcast. I still think if he didn't hit a double ton in Adelaide last Ashes, it'll happen in the next one. So I'm hoping he cements his spot at number three from here. And you can record that and replay it in 2026. Oh, we will. We will. (laughs) When he comfortably hits an excess of 200 in that series. I think he is the big call and I have faith in him. Hopefully he goes well. He'll be the big factor, I think, in deciding out. We play as a team. You will never learn, will you, Pearson? I sometimes <laughs> admire your, your perpetual optimism. but uh... Sometimes I'm wrong. I'm generally pessimistic about England. There's certain players that just exude quality, and one of them is Oliver Pope. And, I mean, he's got two middle names he's so good. I don't know what they are, but they start with J and D. So he's already got oh. authority in his name. Oh. And now he's going to go out there and he's going to churn runs. That's what I think will happen. Yeah, I have a lot of faith in him in a way I don't anyone else. Probably the only similarity between Ollie Pope and Steve Smith that they have two middle names. Exactly. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, and other- soon similar batting averages will be a second comparison. But that's yeah. probably another 10 tests of averaging 100 down the track. 
Then you'll get the Pearson. You're going to make our podcast lose <laughs> credibility with yeah. these sorts of comments. Uh, the other thing I wanted to just ask you on before we go to Ethan um, was we spoke a couple of weeks ago about Zach Crawley uh, struggling a little bit in county, uh, but they've decided to stick with him. Uh, the right decision, I think. I personally think it is um, probably apart from David Milan, who unfortunately hasn't been selected in this squad for unbeknownst uh, for reasons unbeknownst to me. Um, he's probably my favourite England player, Zach Crawley. So I'm happy to see him in. Uh, but you agree on his selection? Mm, well, I think the realist in me sees that there wasn't really anything else that was going to happen. Rob Key has been his mentor for 20 years. There was no way Rob Key was going to see that he had 100 in his last series and still drop him. But he's still not great. He's played 20-plus tests and has scored a third of his career runs in two innings. That's not great. Admittedly, one of them was 267, but scoring that many runs in two innings out of 40-odd is not what you want from a test opener. We need consistency from somewhere. I think you do have to reward county form to some degree. I've watched a fair bit of Kent, which is the county Zach Crawley plays for, if you asked an average viewer who they thought the test batsman was of the Kent openers, they're picking Ben Compton every day of the week. Ben Compton in this county season is averaging 266 balls per dismissal. That's almost 300 balls every time he goes out to bat. Zach Crawley's not hit a ton yet. Ben Compton has hit as many tons this season as Crawley has in his entire first-class career. All this indicates to me is maybe... Either Crawley is out of form or he just doesn't fit the bill. It's going to be a difficult one. I think for the sake of consistency, he needs to get these three tests. I think it probably was the right decision. Well, if he fails, I think he has to be on the chopping block for India. Mm. And is Ben Compton the next next uh, one in line if he does fail? I hope so, because he's averaging 110 off 266 each innings which is a lot better than anyone else in the country, but we'll see. He's brand new. This is his first county season, despite being 26, 27. Right, yeah. Um, Ethan, to me, their openers still do look like a bit of a weakness, <laughs> even though I've just said that I like Zach Cody, but Alex Lees as well um, hasn't exactly set the world on fire. Um, do you have confidence in their top order? No, not at all. <laughs> right answer. Honestly, like, Pearson opened that, that point by saying, give us Dom Sibley, and he, he closed it by saying, Ben Compton should be first choice backup. I don't, I don't think the English know what their two best openers are. I think are. we should drop both current openers and bring both of them in, and that's what I want. So I can I can just about get out of that slight misquote on my part. <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised if that happens by the end of the series. Or oh, yeah. Yeah. I think it probably will, honestly. Yeah. Honestly, I think Lee's, Lee's and Crawley are decent, but, you know, it's more mediocrity. It's probably two more batsmen who are going to average 30s. But I do think they should stick with Crawley and play the Australian potential card. Um, but it'll be interesting to see. Pope, Pope at number three. That's going to be a lot different to county cricket. Um, coming in behind Hashim Amla is a lot different to coming in behind Lees and, and Crawley. And 
don't know. If I, if I batted four at, at the Oval, I wouldn't want to be facing the second ball of a, of a test match. Um, I think the other interesting thing is Ben Stokes has said he'll bat six um, as opposed to perhaps the regular five. Um, from my perspective, I think he's just trying to give himself a bit of a rest from all, all the bowling he does and now adding the captaincy to it as well. Um, so it makes sense to me. I think Jason Holder's done similar batting down the order, but it, it does make for an interesting viewing. It's not often you have your best batsman at four and six and then Johnny Bairstow sandwiched in between them. So it'll be interesting to see how that goes and how partnerships work down there. But yeah, England need to do something with their top order because if you're three for 50, there's only so much that your side can actually do. Mm, indeed. Um, the other big news coming from England uh, was Jofra Archer suffering a setback in his uh, return from injuries. Um, remind me, how long is he out for now, Pearson? I, I'm not trying to have oh, a go. Yeah. I generally don't. No, no, don't worry. The, the entire English summer. Yeah, so right. is Sakib Mahmood. A lot, we, uh, most of our bowlers are injured. They came out yesterday and said there's no timeline on Chris Wokes' return anymore when he was considered to be back for the second or third test. Matt Fisher is injured. Mark Wood is miles away, might miss the whole summer. Ollie Stone is slowly coming back. But in all honesty, pretty much eight of our first 10 choice pace bowlers are out injured. So it's not an ideal position to be in. No. Yeah, I think uh, the Lord's test without Chris Wokes will be, you know, a bit of a yeah, shock. No, I'm not looking forward to that. Yeah, that's right. Um, and, oh, well, I can probably discuss this next week, but just quickly, a scoreline on this New Zealand series. You're predicting a big, big, well, how many tests is it? Five tests? Or three tests? Three, three. Expecting I don't a think New Zealand's ever played a five test series. I no. think we'll escape with a I think we'll escape with a rain affected draw. So it'll be two nil, I think. Yeah, well, that's always a fair bet in England. Um Ethan, yeah. just quickly. Um, agree? I'm hoping it'll be a tight series, maybe, maybe a one one. Okay. Yeah. Well I like the optimism. Yeah. <laughs> Anderson and Broad can turn up one game and Rook can hit a ton and then you can be England the next game and Alex Lees can top score with 25. <laughs> well, yeah, there's a high chance of that. It is interesting with your bowlers that probably the two most consistent that don't get injured are your two oldest bowlers in Henderson and Broad. It, uh, yeah, yeah, it's not it's a bit unusual that. Um, but yeah, Ethan and uh, I were saying before we, we got on that uh, it's not going to be great for exams coming up, having these two test series, no. England and New Zealand and Sri Lanka, Australia. Um, so, yeah, you know, especially for you, Pearson, who, you know, are focused on watching every bowl of a test match. So, I might have to miss a couple bowls. I've got all three of my exams for the semester were all in the middle of this first test. So I've not got oh. great room to sure. maneuver. Surely you My can get ex- special considerations for that or something. I wish it could, but it's Friday, Sunday, and Monday are my three exams. Oh, and nice. I think the test is Thursday through Monday. So it's going to be a busy five days of trying to weigh up studying and watching a lot of cricket. Yeah, yeah. I just hope for your sake that it's worth it. Anyway, we'll have plenty more... <laughs> opportunities uh, to discuss that in the coming weeks but uh, 
We'll move on to the IPL now. We have finally come to the uh, the business end of the season. We had the first final uh, last night. Uh, but just to go through the final standings, uh, the Gujarat Titans, they were locked in a battle with, with Lucknow for most of the season to get that top spot. Um, and they did manage to get it with 10 wins and four losses. Uh, in second, uh, Rajasthan, um, always probably everyone throughout the season, even though they were stuck in third for a bit, people were sort of saying that they were the best team. They finished out in second. Um, in third, the Lucknow Super Giants, four Royal Challengers, Bangalore did manage to get in, as I think both of you predicted it a couple of weeks ago, um, with uh, some improved performances by Virat Kohli and a few of their stars. In fifth, uh, it was the Delhi Capitals. Sixth, the Punjab Kings. Seventh, the Kolkata Knight Riders. Eight, Sunrisers Hyderabad. Um, again, another prediction that you guys came through there kind of mid-season flurry of wins um, where they were momentarily in the top four, didn't eventuate to anything. In ninth, the Chennai Super Kings, and in 10th um, on just four wins uh, was the Mumbai Indians. Um, I think maybe to start off, uh, we'll just discuss the, the big match last night between Gujarat and Rajasthan. Uh, Rajasthan batted first, uh, and as we've come to expect, uh, let me just find it here somewhere. Um, there we go. Just Butler, uh, another huge performance of, with 89 runs. And, geez, yeah, having some issues here. <laughs> Sandra Sampson, 47, um, another big scorer there, and they finished on 188. Uh, a fairly good sore set, uh, but then Gujarat came out and led by a brilliant innings by David Miller, um, were 68 of 38 playing a finishing role. Um, they managed to win with just three balls remaining and booked themselves a place in the final. Uh, you guys watched this game, Ethan? I'm expecting you did and will have much to say about it. Uh, the the twelve to four AM games are, are too steep for uh, me, but I've yeah. I've got my yeah my daily dose of the highlights. Yeah, so a big performance by David Miller uh, here. Yeah, I, I honestly don't know how Gujarat keep keep doing it, but it, it was a to me they seemed slightly behind the eight ball for the last probably ten overs, although Pearson had a good good feeling about them. And even even at last over needing sixteen from it, I you, you got a sense that you know they were they were probably unlikely, but Gujarat have had a knack of winning games from from that position, and really it only took them three balls to hit sixteen with David Miller finishing off with three sixes, and he he looks like the Miller of old, and it's 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 great to see really. I think I think it was a a good like one eight eight is a is a very decent score. Um, but I think Rajasthan are perhaps limited by having only five bowlers as opposed to, you know, the six that most sides go with. Um, you know, every every bowler went at eight or above. You know, you had some 10 and 11 economies. Um, and, and there was some questionable last-over tactics, particularly with, with some of the bowling there. But it was, it was very well batted from, from David Miller and Hardik Pandya, and really that partnership saved them and booked them a spot in the final. 
Mm, yeah, they, they just keep performing, don't they, Pearson? Um, would you probably back Rajasthan to, to still get in the finals, uh, kind of whoever they play? Well, that, that was, last night was the first game of the season I've watched in full. So I actually have a rough grasp of what happened for a once. I don't think I've done close to that for any other match this season. And it was a very good watch. Again, clearly there's a lot of luck on Gujarat's side. I don't know why I keep wanting to call them Gujaraj, but I know what I mean. Gujarat even. They they played they played well, actually. I think the player that will go under the radar will be Rashid Khan. No bowler had an economy under eight in the match, and he went at 3.75. So there's something to be said that if his overs hadn't been there, they'd have been chasing 200 plus and probably not been able to get the job done. So I think that's definitely something to note. Can Rajasthan come back, you ask? That's a tough one. I think a lot of momentum will be gone now because they have a loss from a position where you would reasonably expect them to win. Defending 16 off six and conceding 18 off the first three balls of the over is quite a crushing way to lose. Who was that bowling? Who was that bowling? Uh, Prasid Krishna. Right. Who, I, I, must, I think Prasid Krishna will actually be good at the test level. I think he's a good, tall, quick, hit-the-deck-hard bowler. He has one stop delivery in T20 cricket, and that's the 88-mile-an-hour ball in the slot that gets pummeled for six. And I don't think that that's very useful. I think his hit the deck method works in early overs. It clearly doesn't work at the death. I think we saw that last night. Does, but I, so does, I he think normally, that moment, does he normally bowl at the death or was that just an error? By... I'm not certain. I think the majority of his wickets have come power play in middle overs and I would stick with him there. But again, they don't have a great deal of death bowlers to work with as a side. I think they probably next auction need to brush up on just one more death bowler. I don't think Obed McCoy and Prasid Krishna incite fear into finishes from opposition sides, particularly ones like David Miller, who's averaging 130 when chasing this season. So there's definitely a lot of hope for Gujarat. What I will say is I think that momentum will be enough to knock out Rajasthan from the tournament in the next game. I think last year, the two sides that played the first, the top two made it to the final. I don't see that happening again this year. I think they're too reliant on Butler and having watched last night, Butler was pretty awful. Yes, the scorecard makes him look great, because he had that weird spree around the 16th over where he hit 50 off 18 balls. But prior to that, he got dropped an ungodly number of times as he slowly made his way to about 30 off 30. And he just doesn't look in great touch at the minute. I mean, he's clearly very, very good that he can look out of touch and still hit 80 and strike at 160. But I don't think that's sustainable. And if he doesn't come off, then I don't see how they can win their next game, be that against RCB or whoever RCB is playing tonight, which is now. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, moving on to that game, Ethan. Um, yeah. As we said, RCB really got their act together in the second part of the season. What would you credit with that? And can they uh, bring it on to, uh, to, uh, to getting into the final? 
Yeah, it's, it's hard to say really where this RCB surge has come from. Um, last, last game was a bit of Virat Kohli form that, that helped them out. I think they managed to beat Gujarat actually. And it was Virat Kohli 73 and Glenn Maxwell 40 not out of 18 that largely did the damage. But the, the work was you know done for them by their bowling attack. Hasaranga's been good and Maxwell's bowling quite a bit now. So I think their consistent players are still performing and they've had a couple more slip into a little bit of form and, and a couple of match-winning performances too. So they, they just managed to scrape finals. I think Delhi missed out just because of some Rishabh Pant captaincy issues, uh, potentially not reviewing one with Tim David. Oh, wow. I, I don't fancy them tonight, but you, you never know. You never know what Virat Kohli is going to pull out of the bag. Mm, yeah, well, that was always the fear for the other sides that, you know, there's no team with more star power than RCB. Um, for Lucknow's uh, side of the coin, uh, dropped a few games late in the season. I'll ask you the same question. What was uh, behind that? Um, and can they turn it around tonight? It's it's hard to say as well, really. I, I think they've, they've got quite a good list. Um, and, and it's it was largely uh, the same problem as Rajasthan, I think, where they were over-reliant on a few couple of players. Uh, it just seemed that whenever KL Rahul didn't do so well, they, they sort of struggled a bit. But the last game was one of the, the best batting innings I've, I've ever seen. I mean, they hit 210 for none. Um, and I, I don't think it's ever been done that you go all 20 overs and, and don't lose a wicket. But Quentin Decock, 140 not out. That, that opening partnership is a is a game changer. And I mean they had Evan Lewis playing his first game at, at three and he didn't even get a bat. So they, they did tail off slightly. I think when if if Kyle Rahul falls cheaply, they're a very vulnerable side. And their bowling attack as well as showed some flaws. I mean, they hit 210 and conceded 208. And they were very lucky actually to even win that game. I think Stoinis defended six off the last three balls. So it, it's an up-and-down bowling attack despite some big names there. And I think it's a batting attack that's perhaps a bit reliant on Kyle Rahul and Deepak Hooda. Okay. Um, so we're both going um, with RCB in that one and then a prediction for the, the final as well. Oh, okay. well, I'll go, I think... Well, there's the intermediary round between because RR still have to play whoever wins oh, tonight. Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. There's so. a, they 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 mess up the order. They just have semis in the final, if you ask me. But oh, I don't they, mind this. I I'm a Melbourne Stars supporter in the yeah. Big Bash, so <laughs> many times yeah. by finishing yeah, first and going straight out, it's never a great feeling. Good point. Yeah, I'll give you that. I think RCB will win. Actually, no, I think Look Now will win tonight. I think look now will I think look now is going to win the whole thing. That's my big call. <laughs> I think Quinton de Kock's come into form at the right time. He had 140 off 70 in his last game, which is the third highest score in IPL history. I think him in good touch. Rahul will have one random cameo, and that'll make up for the fact that their middle order is non-existent. And I reckon they'll go on and win the comp. That's my call for the day. Okay, well, we, we do love a big call on this, yeah. on this podcast. Um, Ethan, are you going to back Pearson up? 
Oh, uh, yeah. I, I think Lucknow might win tonight. I reckon Rajasthan will yeah. beat them in the next game, though. And the two the two times they've played each other in the in the rounds, Rajasthan beat them both times. So I'm I'm tipping a Rajasthan Gujarat final, of which I think might be very close, but maybe Gujarat will get the job done. Yeah, I don't think you can bet against Gujarat. They just seem to have all the yeah. It's just one of those seasons. Everything seems to be to be going their way, no matter what. Almost no matter what situations uh, they get themselves into. Um, yeah. It's like it's like Man City. Like even when they go two 0 down, they they somehow find a way to get some points. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, uh, incredible stuff. And uh, yeah, I will have to watch at least one of these these final few games. <laughs> I've been saying it all season, but uh, <laughs> we'll make sure. Uh, just more generally, um, it's been a, I, I think, just looking from the outside, a pretty dramatic season. A lot of big performances by um, different players, obviously. Um, Josh Butler did finish, Joss Butler, sorry, did finish with the most runs, 718. Didn't quite get to Coley's record of, I think it was almost 1,000 for Coley, wasn't it? So still a little way off of that. Unbelievable by Coley. Um, but he was, I think, about 200 runs ahead of um, the second highest run scorer in KL Rahul. So um, a very impressive season by him. The most wickets um, was Yuvrendra. Shahal um, with 26 wickets um, and a, uh, a favourite of the show, um, Hasaranga, um, getting the second most wickets also. So some good performances by them. Okay, I'll ask you guys then. Um, well, first off, who your um, who the, the best player of the tournament was in your view? And try not to just say Josh Butler, but I guess uh, you can if you, you feel you have to. We'll start with you, Ethan. I reckon Dinesh Karthik has had a season that is very, very underrated. I mean, batting at six and seven, averaging fifty-seven point four at a strike rate of one hundred ninety-one. I mean, there was there was talks of could he go a whole season with a strike rate of above two hundred. I think I think that's very rare to see a finisher that that consistent, and it's one of the reasons they're still in the competition. Maybe he's going to pull out something tonight and and get them through to the next round. So. Bar, bar the brilliance of Butler, and it was sort of like a half-season brilliance and then a half-season of mediocrity. I, I think Dinesh Karthik has been outstanding. Oh, very good. I, I wasn't. I think there was someone on this podcast saying that Karthik should stick to commentary from now on. Did someone say that? I'm not sure. I think Maybe we I, all agreed yeah. on that before the <laughs> tournament, actually, and then he came in and dominated. Yeah, well, anyway... Um, I always like Dinesh Karthik, so I'm happy to see him performing well. Uh, Pearson, uh, who's your player of the tournament? I hadn't even thought about Dinesh Karthik, to be honest. I think it's, in my view, it's a three-horse race, one of which is obviously Joss Butler. I think the other two to note are Liam Livingston and Andre Russell. Both have batted very well with a very, very high strike rate. I mean, Livingston is striking at 180 and has scored 300-odd runs. So is Andre Russell and both have taken, well, I think Russell's up towards 15 wickets this season. And there's been some useful cameos of the ball from Livingston. I think they might be spoken down on a little because their teams didn't end up performing particularly well. They finished in the bottom half of the table in both cases. But I think there's something to be said for both of them. Just because everyone said before the season that 
Liam Livingston's only good on flat tracks and he won't cut it in the IPL. I'm going to call him as player of the season. Okay, very good. Um, yeah, of course you had to go with an English one, didn't you? <laughs> just, just because of that. Oh. <laughs> They're not just. He was also very, very good in his own right. But yeah, that definitely British. has an impact. <laughs> I think yeah, that, that I could have gone Butler. Well, yeah, true. So, uh, that one game that he had, what was it? His incredible all round, was it uh, a 50 and three wickets or something like that? Yeah. Early on in the season. Yeah, it was very impressive. Some very impressive game, I remember. So, yeah, that no, very good tournament by him. He had yeah. lots of very impressive games because he's English <laughs> and he's class. Sure, yeah. Well, he's used to playing for poor teams. So, he, he fit in well. Not uh, the England white ball set up, he's not. Oh, no, the yeah. World Cup champions, mate. Well, yes. Calm down. Not, not T20 World Cup champions. Yeah, not, not in the superior <laughs> format of T20, <laughs> where we're in World Cup champions for less than a year and we'll lose that ground in three months. I still have no idea is. how you won that World Cup. I'm backing England to win the World Cup in Australia, though, and then all will be good in the world again. <laughs> yeah, you know, Matthew Wade's still in, in the tournament. Uh, one of the great T20 batsmen. Scores also, about so. one run in innings, but he's <laughs> somehow still in that team. <laughs> yes. Okay. Well, the next question, and I don't think I told you this one beforehand, so I'm just going to spring it on you. But the uh, biggest disappointment of the tournament, or, or the biggest flop, um, there are a few huge purchases made um, that even before the season we were potentially suggesting might have been wrong. Ishan Kishan was one of them. Tim David was another, um, along with a few others. Uh, which one of them do you think didn't live up to uh, what was hoped for the most, Ethan? Oh, for me, it has, it has to be Kane Williamson. Uh, um, it's just... Been- Absolutely baffles me how horrible he, he, he was this season. Oh. 2.5. Like he, he hasn't he hasn't even struck it at a runner ball. I, I I'm scrolling through the run scoring list. And I can't see a single other person with a, a strike rate below hundred. And his average is 19.64. I mean, it it was such a horrible season. And he began, you know, as their sort of potential rocket at number three. And, he was batting seven by the end of the season because they had no faith in him to just to, to score any runs. And he's he slowly turned into MS Dhoni pretty much, who couldn't finish. Um, so yeah, I think he's been an <laughs> epic fail. It, it cost a, a ton of money and he hasn't been able to do the do the job with the bat or or with the captaincy, really, which is you know surprising after New Zealand made the final of the T20 World Cup and he largely shone in that final. Mm. A, a second uh, member of the, the big four um, that uh, we've criticised in two weeks. So uh, Steve Smith is mm. better watch out. And in fact, we've criticised Joe Root more than his fair share also. So yeah, it's definitely, <laughs> and Steve Smith actually, we, we do seem to have a, have a um, liking for that. Anyway, Pearson, um, who's let you down the most this season? Well, I, I certainly also would have said Kane Williamson, but since Ethan said that, I'll go for a different route. And I'll go for a retention in Ravi Jadeja, I think has been very poor this season. He was one of the most expensive retentions in the competition. He cost 16 crore. I think that's double what Williamson was bought for. So it is a massive expenditure that. 
and he's just not scored any runs. He got called up as captain in Donny's place. Within halfway through the season, he was replaced as captain by Donny, his predecessor, because he couldn't handle the captaincy. He's not scored any runs and he's not taken any wickets in a side that's finished second last in the table, I think. So all in all, it's been a terrible season for Ravi Jadeja. And I think he's the Indian flop and I'd go Williamson as the flop international. Yeah, I think they're both probably fair enough. We, uh, I feel of the the big, big, uh, big name players who they paid a lot of money to actually performed a bit better than I expected. I was thinking Puran probably would turn out to be a disappointment um, after the amount of money that they spent on him, but had a pretty good tournament. Um, same with Tim David, actually, had a few good innings too. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it could have been it could have been a, a lot more uh, ridiculous uh, for some of those things. Anyway, the next um, thing I'll ask is the best Australian player uh, in the tournament. Ethan, um, I think I've said Tim David's name five times. Um, are we going to make it a, a sixth time this podcast? Uh, honestly, it's been... It's been pretty good in the last few games. I think I think you've got to give it to David Warner. I mean, yeah. 432 runs at 48, strike rate over 150, top 10 run scorers. I mean, in a competition where the Australians have been pretty poor, I mean, he's he's probably been the one tick, maybe along with Tim David. Hazelwood's been okay. And Daniel Sands started off a bit bit borderline, but he's he's come Can't good. Started well. off horribly. Yeah, I mean, we went for like 60 in the first game. It'll actually be interesting to see if they continue picking him next season over someone like Tyrell Mills or um, once Joffrey Archer comes back or if he ever comes back. Um, but, yeah, I, I think Dave, Dave Warren has been solid throughout. Yeah. Stoyness was okay also. A couple of good bowling performances. Gee. Yeah, up, up and down, up and down. I mean, yeah. like, even that, that last over, I mean, it was... It was horrible in the first three balls and it was the saviour in the last three. So, yeah, that, that's the mediocrity you can expect from Australians in the IPL. <laughs> what about Pat Cummins? You know, he had fast... I mean, he, he managed to get dropped. <laughs> he managed to get dropped as, yeah, as a baller. One good game. I thought he was one injured. One good game. Oh, dropped. I mean, he's, he's, he's had a, cons- a considerable wage reduction for, for this year's IPL and now he's been dropped. So I can only see that, you know getting closer to the Steve Smith levels. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah, we really need to get Adam Zampa in there next year. He'll he'll be yeah. a saviour for Australian. He can be our Hasaranga. What, yeah. what, what, what Hasaranga is to Navad, we, Adam Zampa is to us. <laughs> yes, even more so. <laughs> um, Pearson, who would you go with? Yeah, look, I, I, I'd like to just not pick anyone if I could. But if, if I have to pick someone, it's David Warner. He's yeah. been solid. It's not been spectacular, but I think overall not. And yes, I'm focusing on Australia not being any good because when do I not? But it's not been overall an exceptional tournament for internationals, I don't think. I think a lot of the shining lights have been Indian this tournament. There's been a couple others, I think Poran, Markra, Markram, maybe a couple West Indians, the whole English squad. But beyond, beyond that, I don't think there's been many people that have come out and scored big runs or taken 
a massive amount of poles. So I think by lack of really any other quality alternative, it has to be Warner. He scored pretty, he averaged 40 odd, I think. Yeah. So he certainly didn't have a bad year. I don't know how his strike rate compares to others, but I, I, I have time for him at the top of the order. I thought he was washed and done for when he got binned by Sunrisers last season or the year before. But he's come back and I think he's definitely been the best of the Australians. Not that the bar is massively high in that case. Yeah, yeah, he does just keep performing at a, a fairly high level, no matter where he plays. He sort of almost doesn't get spoken about a huge amount because it's sort of a good enough level to keep getting selected and, you know, to be fairly impressive, but not really ever reaching huge heights in any of his innings. But, um, yeah, still very good player. Uh, this one's going to be quite easy, but, yeah, uh, I'll ask it anyway. The best Englishman... Or maybe sort of rank the, the Englishman a little bit after Joss Butler. We had a, a big 90 from Moen Ali, I, I saw in the last game of the season that he played, um, and some big names there. Um, yeah, I really, I'm regretting asking this question because it's given me <laughs> to, to go in minute detail about the brilliance of each player. But um, yeah, go ahead. Well, what, what do you reckon, Pearson? It's not easy, to be honest. I mean, I think Butler and Livingston are the comfortable top two. Picking someone good after them is not particularly simple. I think Moeen's been a flop except for that 91, Mm. and it took Bairstow an obscene amount of time to remember how to score runs in the second half of the season. Uh, Benny Howell got called up and didn't play a single game. So, I don't know. It's not been an overwhelmingly strong tournament for England. We just, I think... You just have to highlight Livingston and you have to highlight Butler because they've both scored runs or taken wickets or both. And they've done it at quite a good rate. So I think it has to be them. There's no one else. Or at least there's none that come to mind. I don't think we have any bowlers playing. Tom Mills has got a couple of games. Billings got a couple of games. But they're they're, they're rubbish. (laughs) Yeah, they, they were. Yeah, you'll be... Moving on to the next T20 series, uh, which we'll just quickly have a quick chat about now. Um, the T20 Blast starting up in a couple of weeks um, in England. We had... A uh, couple of weeks, couple of hours. It starts oh, tonight. Sorry, yes. It's uh, like a one in the morning start or something. I don't know. I won't uh, watch much because they're is. at annoying hours of the morning, but yeah. it is tonight at some stage. Yeah, I only bring it up because we had some... Controversial comments by um, Bumble, David Lloyd, um, saying that the T20 Blast was the best T20 league uh, in the world. To be fair to him, I think the criteria that he was speaking about was more sort of a holistic view in terms of it being the best for development, best best for everybody. He seemed to criticise the IPL's money going to big, big businesses. Um, I don't know. The specifics of that but he seems to think that that's very much the case um how good is the t20 blast Pearson? would you agree with bumble well i think it's a very watchable tournament they're all quite close games and english grounds are very small so they're all quite high scoring high octane viewing and i've got a lot of time for that i think where it drops behind other tournaments like the IPL, like the Big Bash, like the 100 even, the flagship 
white ball game in the English calendar is that it's probably lesser. It's of it's of a lesser quality. There are 18 teams in blast cricket. And yes, England have good white ball depth. We don't have 18 teams worth of world-class white ball depth. So I think that's probably where he comes unstuck. But if you solely take it as, is it fun to watch? Then I think it's definitely up there. The atmosphere is maybe not as fun, but teams hitting 200 is always quite a good watch. And I think finals day is one of the best days on the cricketing calendar. I think other countries should start implementing that method of semi-semi-final all on the one day at the main cricket ground with a lot of alcohol. Works very well in England. And I reckon the Big Bash should add it, actually. Yeah, it's not a bad idea. I did see that um, one of their sides, I think, has um, called up Chris Lynn uh, to be one of their players, which isn't a great sign when you're calling up Chris Lynn at, at this stage of his career, uh, just been sacked by the Brisbane Heat. But um, <laughs> we'll see what happens there. I, I sort of thought the blast would fall by the wayside with the 100 coming, but no, it's good to see. Well, yeah, I guess it's good to see we've got two. Honestly, so weeks. did I. Yeah. There's, there's, a, there's a few reasonable sides. When you look at Lancashire, have got a middle order of Joss Butler, Tim David, and Liam Livingston. So there is some quality in the tournament. I mean, there's eight internationally capped players at Yorkshire playing in general in this season. So it's not that every team is poor. It's just in the same way we talk about the counties, half the teams are good, half the teams aren't. I think we'll see the same thing here. And before we slander Chris Lynn further, he is at one of the weaker counties, or at least something I would. It, it is a Division One county, but Northamptonshire's the smallest of the Div Ones. And in Kevin Peterson's franchising dreams, I think they'd be one of the teams that would get culled. So it's not a massive signing. Fair enough. Um, and in just while we're on the topic of uh, T20 leagues, I did see that. It looks like there's not going to be any day-night, one-day series um, or even perhaps even night uh, international series um, in Australia this next summer to make room for the Big Bash League. So probably a good decision, I think, try and give them a bit more focus there. Um, anything to, to add on this before we go, Ethan? It's not a particularly is that, fantastic is that like discussion. We don't have day-night whiteboard games. Yeah, I think they're just in the day. Like they're just pushing them forward uh -huh. a bit more so that they don't interrupt the Big Bash um, or like go at the same time as the Big Bash. I might be making this up, but I'm pretty sure I read that. Interesting. Yeah. Well, um, after that, I think probably come to the end. We've, uh, we'll have a big couple episodes uh, in the next few weeks, that's for sure. So make sure to stay with us. Um, have a good week, guys. Try and uh, good luck with your exams, Pearson, uh, amidst the yes. uh, the great distractions here. I know you struggle. And thank you all for listening. Goodbye.